Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Good morning and welcome once again to The Plotting Shed. I hope everyone is well. This week I said that we were going to start looking at the nitty gritty of garden design to give you the tools to help you make good decisions and understand the decision-making process that designers use so that you can apply those principles in your garden. And I'm going to start with the fact that most gardens aren't blank spaces. Most gardens have, uh, you know, they've got a defined shape and everyone has to work within the framework that their garden has. Now some of that will be fine, some of that will be easy to work with, and some of it will be a problem. And this little podcast is all about how you can design around problems you can't change. How we deal with those awkward garden elements. What can we do to make the garden that you create a better one that is not a slave to the problems, but you've managed to adapt the design around those problems. So what problems are there really? Well, we've got things like awkward shaped gardens. Very often now you see in modern housing developments, the gardens are no longer sort of rectangular or square shapes and ordered sizes. Properties are sort of shoehorned into lots of different corners and and spaces. And so the gardens behind them, they're very often are cordoned off and you get some really, really odd shape places. In fact, I'm working on a design for a customer right now. They've only just moved into their garden. And when you look from their, their top bedroom window, from the photographs that they sent me, the gardens all around them, because it's a sort of a circular development. So all the back gardens kind of join together. So it almost looks like crazy paving. Everyone has a very wonky shaped garden. So we're going to talk about how we can how we can deal with that. And also there are other problems that you have in gardens that you can't change either and how you can create the best design around them. What are the most important things to consider? Well, I am inherently a lazy gardener. I'll put my hand up and say, yes, I do like gardening. I do love my garden to look beautiful. Do I enjoy some of the gardening aspects? No. Do I want to be a slave to having to devote myself to the garden every single weekend? No, I don't. I've got other things to do. I want to sit in the garden and enjoy it. I've got a swing seat that I love to sit there with the sun on my face having a cup of tea or something else, a little stronger, um, and I don't want to feel that I've got to look at all these jobs that I've got to do. And I think, as I said last week, the art of garden design is about creating an end product that works. It's no use creating a beautiful looking chair 
if it's not comfortable to sit on or it wobbles because the end product isn't fit for the purpose. And garden design very much for me is that the garden has to work for you. It has to tick your boxes. It has to push your buttons. And so we've got to find a way of dealing with the garden, the problems that the garden has so that you get as many of your check boxes ticked as possible because that will maximize the benefit you get from the garden. Now, being an inherently lazy gardener, one of the problems, and it's not really a problem, it's just what it is, that you have to design around with any garden is the environment. The best gardens work with their weather. They don't try and impose a different style on the weather and the environment that you have. Now, obviously you can do that, but it's going to make more work. If you want a tropical lush garden in the southeast corner of England, you're going to have to spend a lot of time watering and you're also going to have to spend a lot of time in the autumn packing up and protecting those plants from the cold, damp, wet weather that we're going to get. Now, if that's what you want to do and that's your thing, that's great. But is that a brilliant design? because you're having to now continually work on it in order to keep it looking good. Well, that's a debatable point, isn't it? So, but from my perspective, the most fundamental aspect that you have to look at is the weather and the environment in your garden. Because if you only use plants and you create a design that will work with that, then you're creating something that will work on its own without you having to work on it. If the plants and the, the construction of the garden can cope with the weather that you have, it will do that by itself, which means you don't have to. It is very much, you know, looking at what is your garden environment going to do? Do you have a south facing garden? The sun will always rise over on the east and it will always set over in the west. In the summer, how baked does the, does the grass get? Does it does it die down? Does it brown down every summer? What about the winter? Do you have really heavy rainfall? Is it, does it sit in the garden? Are you in a very cold or exposed place so that come the summer, at the end of the summer and the autumn, the, when the autumn winds and the winter storms come through, your garden just takes a battering. Now, all of these things are important to know because everything that you put in your garden and the way that you design your garden has to cope with the worst that the weather can give it. Because if it copes with the worst, then when the weather is at its best, your garden is only going to look better, isn't it? So when you're looking at your garden right now and thinking, what do you need to change? Now is the best time to plan for the weather because we're in the winter. This is generally the worst of the weather. You know, in the UK, our winters are predominantly wet and mild and, and soggy. You know, we get, we get the odd extreme cold, but in general, the ground gets waterlogged and wet. So you have to think about how your hard landscaping is going to perform in cold, damp, wet. How is the lawn going to perform 
in the cold, damp and wet. What plants will they sit in cold, damp, wet? That's usually one of the biggest killers of most plants is the fact that their, their roots just sit in puddles of water underground and they drown. So you have to look at those things in terms of what problems have you got to solve. So if you have very wet ground in the winter, then probably you need to consider raised borders in order that you can lift the roots out from the, the soggy bottoms and then they will thrive better. So you have to make your design decisions based on the worst elements, not look at the summer and think how lovely it would be then. And that will help you get things correct. So that's in terms of your environment, you know, the bit that you really, really can't change. But then there's the physical aspects of the garden, the shape of the garden, the fences, the where there are trees, there may be drains, covers underground you may have you may have a garden that has paths in it and it's just too expensive to dig them up and and work around so how do you deal with problems that you can't change and there is a very simple methodology that i use in terms of designing around these awkward problems in that you have three options you can hide it you can reduce the visual impact of it or you can make the object itself look more beautiful in my book that i have written which is i want to like my garden by rachel mccartain i deal with this and you can sort of see the pictures and see the the examples that that i've used but one of the examples in the book is i was sent a, a garden design a couple of years ago for somebody and it was a really awkward shaped garden it was sort of a, a side garden as opposed to a front or a back garden and uh, so it was long and narrow and it didn't really fit with the house and everything else and right slap bang in the middle of the lawn there was a drain cover so what the owners had done was in order to hide the manhole cover they plonked a square planter on top because obviously that hides the manhole cover, you won't notice it. But that's not true, because if you are going to hide an ugly, an ugly object or disguise that object, the fundamental rule you need to think of is in disguising it or hiding it, am I creating a what's that there for object? Am I introducing something that seems odd to the garden? because then people will notice the oddity, which then makes the, the element that it was trying to hide more visible as well. So in the case of this big planter on top of the drain cover, you then had this square planter in the middle of the lawn sitting there, which directly makes you look at it thinking, what's that there for? Oh, there's a drain underneath. That's why they put it there. And all you do by trying to hide something with an anomaly is make the thing that you are trying to hide more obvious. So what would you have to do? Well, in this particular instance, we reshaped the lawn so that actually the lawn bed came up and went round this drain cover so that we created a new visual look at me border, which meant that the drain cover itself, although it was still there, became less noticeable many of us have the problem of, of the ugly shed down the garden and a lot of people have 
the same approach. There's a big ugly shed. I'm going to find a big plant to grow over it to hide the shed. How many times have we seen this? And again, it's using the wrong design principle. By putting a large plant to grow over a shed in a garden, which in a small garden, the shed is quite a visually big dominant feature. By growing a big plant over it, you're doing exactly the same thing as the, as the planter on the, on the drain cover. You're creating this huge visual lump of something, which it, it is impossible to ignore. To grow over a shed, they've got to be pretty big. They're probably going to grow quite quickly. You create a secondary problem that you then have this triffid that is growing over the fence and over the hedge and over the shed that you've got to try and manage and maintain. So by hiding the shed, by concealing it behind a big plant, all you get to look at is a great big unruly plant, which again dominates the view. So what would we do instead? Well, I said we disguise it in one of three ways. That we actually hide it, we reduce its visual impact, or we make it more beautiful. Now with sheds, you can easily make sheds a feature of the garden. If it's something is big in a small garden, it's like the elephant in the room, isn't it? You're not going to be able to hide it. So in terms of those sorts of aspects, embrace it. Rather than there's an ugly shed in my garden, I need the shed, it's got to be there. Flip your mental thought process round to how can I make this shed gorgeous? What can I do? You can throw your creative ideas to the shed that really makes that part of your garden a feature. I mean, I saw a picture which I put on um, a post that I did, which was on my website, how to do mirrors. And it was this garden shed and they'd literally covered the entire side of the shed in mirrors. And it looked fabulous. Now, the shed was always going to be there, but now the shed was a real design feature in the garden. It's something that you can then put planting in front of, you can have all sorts of things, but it really turns something ugly into something interesting. So again, if you've got a border planted in front of the shed and you paint the shed shed brown, it's really ugly backdrop. But if you painted the shed a beautiful colour of grey and you put different you hung some interesting things on the side of the shed and the colour of the shed wall either complemented or contrasted with the colours of the plants in the border, you provide a nice backdrop. And all of a sudden what that does do is it makes the shed less shed-like. It makes it less like this shed has been, should we say, sort of just dropped into the garden it becomes part of the design process of the garden. So making something pretty, where you have something that is ugly, is, is a really good way to make the negative aspects of that particular problem more easy to deal with. Similarly, you know, if you have a, a large tree in the garden and it's not very nice, you can, you can make a tree look better, you can crown lift it, you can lift the lower branches up. But another thing I saw, and I'm, I'm always somebody that enjoys a bit of fun in the garden. If you've ever looked, if you go on to the internet, there are tree faces that you can buy. 
that you can then attach to the trunk of the tree and you can have these faces that you can that, that all of a sudden then the tree becomes a personality you can't get rid of the tree well make it something call it a name give it a face you know gardens aren't supposed to be stuffy you can have a bit of a laugh with things but again you're trying to do something that takes away the negative aspect and introduces a positive aspect to that but what about actually the shape of the garden because again this is something that is a real problem for a lot of people that they have a garden that is a really wonky shape and they want to try and create a design now the pitfall that most people will have is to create borders around the edge um, and your lawn in the middle because all that will do is emphasize the wonky shape of the garden and then the shape determines and dictates how your garden will look. So again, you have to flip things on their head. And if you have an odd shaped garden, then what you have to do is put a shape, a big shape into the garden that is noticeable. Now, the best way to do that is with a lawn because that's a very big visual shape or with the patio or something like that hard and a seating area but what you want to do is to impose a large shape on the garden now it can be a curve it can be a circle it can be a part of a shape but make it a regular form so if it's a square if it's a rectangle if it's a diamond shape if it's a circle or an oval it doesn't matter that that's not a complete circle because you can offset, you can twist that shape. And in your mind's eye, when you look at the sweep of an oval lawn, even though the oval part of it might hit the fence and it, it finishes, your mind's eye will still see an oval. So you'll have this dominant shape that you then impose on the garden. But you'll say, yeah, but what about all the borders and, and how do we do that? Well, the best thing about plants that you have is that they're really good at disguising wonky shapes. And so the process is this, most people will think about putting some borders in the garden and they'll cut out a shape of a border to plant it. But then your border will follow the shape and the wonky shape of the garden. So if you put your lawn in first or your patio shape in first, in the angle or the the shape that works best and incidentally you do that from the top you go up onto your into your first floor window and you look down on the garden and you lay it out and if it looks right from up there it probably is now what that will do is that will probably leave you some off cuts you'll have these weird shapes because your garden isn't a, an even regular shape so your borders might be narrow at one end and fat at the other end or but that is the point it doesn't matter because when you put the plants in the plants will hide the odd shape of the border so that you when you're looking down from your first floor window or you're in the garden your eye and your vision will be dominated by the shape that you have imposed on the garden not the shape that the garden has imposed on you and it will feel more designed it'll feel more regular it'll feel a better shape it won't feel quite so bitty so again a lot of what i've said you know you can see there's lots of articles on my website plantplots.com or you can go and have a look at some of the posts on 
my blog so there's the one about mirrors i've got ones about how to make how to deal with awkward shapes in the garden and have a look so you can see on the garden designs gallery that i've put on the website there are lots of different shaped gardens that i've created designs for so you can see how i've applied those same principles to the designs that i've done thank you very much for listening next week we're going to look at how we can make a garden feel bigger than it is, especially because garden sizes are shrinking these days, especially in modern, modern housing. So how can we maximise the space in your garden and how can you make the best use of the space? So I hope you listen next week. I shall look forward to talking to you then. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and we will talk soon. Thank you very much. Oh, and just before I go, please don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look. And please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.